We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always, interrupting your Sunday viewing experience. Uh, when we scheduled this, I kind of forgot that there was a London game. So uh, hopefully you're watching us, watching the game. Hopefully you guys have a good Sunday. And I uh, got some things to uh, talk about this morning. Uh, what What is a bye week? I don't know. Something important happened this week. It's just been a kind of a crazy week, I guess. Uh, Join me this morning is my guy, Tyler, of course. Tyler, how you doing, man? Uh, doing very well. I have plenty of questions, and I'm sure we'll discuss some of those <laughs> questions. But um, one important question, though, was how was your brother's wedding? Yeah, uh, it was great. Um, my older brother, Mike, got married this week. Uh, he's going to be in SoFi Stadium today watching his uh, beloved Eagles uh, take on the Rams. So he's excited for that. But uh, it was good, man. It was uh, The wedding venue was was really nice. The, the wedding went off without a hitch and, uh, you know, happy for my brother, obviously, and, and uh, his new wife, Haley. So uh, it's always fun to be back in Utah. Wish I was able to do it more often and uh, glad that it was it was fall because you know Utah in the fall. If you haven't been, is is an incredible place to go see fall colors, and uh, was uh, thankful for the chance to go do that. How did you get Eagles fan out of your brother? So you- uh, my brother served his church mission in, in Philadelphia, and okay. uh, actually got to meet Andy Reid a few times. Had oh. a steak dinner at Andy Reid's house one time during the summer, and. 
got to tour the Eagles facility, got some uh, Mike Vick signed cleats back in the day. So, um, yeah, that's that's where the Eagles fan from uh, my brother comes from. Wow. So he got full VIP treatment and all that sort of stuff. And you were somewhere else with like no Internet. Yeah, I was I was in Mexico, which, uh, you know, it was uh, not a lot of, uh, you know, amenities, shall we say. <laughs> down in the in the jungles of southern mexico so it is what it is you know um he, he still he kind of roots for the chiefs too because he loves andy obviously but um he's he's an eagles fan first and foremost okay yeah. well glad it went well yeah definitely definitely all right so uh have some things to get into before we uh take some of your guys's questions um we were going to kind of dedicate the first part of this show to a record prediction, but I do feel like we have to start with the latest of the JC Jackson saga. Um, there's always some things that happen behind the scenes in these kind of situations. And the latest from Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero is that on Sunday against the Raiders, um, Michael Davis sustained an injury of sorts, um, you know, an ankle injury. He was able to finish the game. He missed the one snap. Um, but while he uh, was off the field, J.C. Jackson was refusing to go into the game. Um, there was a report from them that um, he had his shoes untied, that he uh, was claiming that he wasn't warm enough, among other things. Um, apparently, several coaches tried to uh, convince him to go into the game at that point, um, and then ultimately, uh, nothing happened. He just kind of stuck on the sideline. Um, there were a couple times I remember where they panned to the sideline and he was kind of over by the offense, which is usually not what you see uh, from defensive players. Usually the defensive players are all together on the sideline. Offensive players are all together on the sideline. Um, so it just it, it, a bizarre situation kind of came to a head on Sunday, it sounds like. Um, and thankfully, Michael Davis is OK. Otherwise, I don't know what the team would have done without Michael Davis and J.C. Jackson refusing to go into the game. Um, but Tyler, what are your thoughts here as we kind of uh, get the final straw, so to speak, information from the J.C. Jackson saga? Part of me in a lot of these situations doesn't want to take everything 100% as truth. Not that I guess this would surprise me. There's been a, a lot that's sort of been boiling over, a lot of frustration from both sides. But I don't know. This whole situation is just bizarre to me i mean there's even the part in the article later on where where is it sources say issues arose between jackson and sports performance staff to the coaches and to the support staff it was a struggle sources say and no one could seem to get through to him i'm not quite sure what that sentence means so issues arose between jackson and sports performance staff to the coaches and to the support staff so was this sports performance staff also part of the like was there a battle between whether he's healthy enough to get out there because again the quote is issues arose between jackson and sports performance staff to the coaches and to the support staff so i'm a little curious like what is going on there in terms of allowing him to play versus not like ramp up did he need more time Today he say he wanted to get out. I, I don't know. It's a strange quote. I don't know if it was just not written perfectly, but it almost sounds like the sports performance staff is also involved here. So I'm not entirely sure 
what's going on with that one. And it's not the first time we've heard of the sports performance staff and the player being at a different spot than the coaches who want to play a player earlier than expected, that being Keenan on last year against uh, Seattle. So I don't know. The issue is not the issue, but this whole saga is just frustrating. And it's unfortunate to hear true or not that JC refused to go on the field and his shoes weren't tied. But then there's again, adding to this weirdness, I guess in New England, sometimes he would sit out the opening series of a half to get warmed up and loose. Like, like what? <laughs> what? I know. I read that and I was like, wait, so like, what did he do during warmups? Like, wh- like, right. I've, sure. I've never heard of that being a thing because you have like three hours to warm up before a game. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like you can get out there early. Everybody's warming up. You can warm up again. You know, and so he has to sit out the first drive. Like, I'm just not going to be out there for the scripted plays of the opposing offense. And then then I'll jump in. It's just a strange thing. I've also never heard of that. Um, I don't know if that was a common thing. I guess it was. But I figured when the Chargers signed him that someone would have kind of unearthed that. Or, or a Patriots reporter would have been like, hey, by the way, he sits out the first drive of every game. Like, what? So again, this whole situation is just bizarre. I, I, and I think it's truly a failure on both sides and also some bad luck for both sides. It's JC's injury. It's JC not playing well. It's JC's off the field thing that doesn't really necessarily affect the on-field stuff, but it's a part of this whole melting pot of ridiculousness. And then the Chargers like, oh, he needs a surgery and let's put him back out there for 100% of the snaps. Whoops, swollen foot. Ah, well, not going to miss the next game. And then he's back out there. Oh, injury. Okay, now let's have a rotation. And then let's not draft a, or sign a single corner the entire offseason because we think he's going to be ready to go. And then we'll put him out there. And he'll play 100% of the snaps against the, the Dolphins. And then, oh, well, and we're going to bench him. And then we're going to, I just, the whole thing. There, there's a whole book here that needs to be written about what the heck happened over the last 12 months or so. I don't know, man. It's just a strange, strange, strange situation. And, you know, my, my only thing with all of this and not taking things at 100% face value is like, I do dislike when there's timing involved with some of these things that suddenly leak out, you know, oh, right. you know, it's almost like it's not quite pre-draft crap, but like, oh, now we're hearing about all of this. Like suddenly it's just here's everything. You know, we trade away a player. Oh, let's leak out the information of why we traded disgruntled player. And oh, yeah. he, and tied and he wouldn't do this and he was clashing so but then again it's not like i can't i can buy that that happened i just dislike the timing i think some of that is is the team probably wants to keep some things in house right like it was a very similar situation to what happened with jerry tillery last year um where we kind of heard about some things and there were some presumed issues, but then after they cut him, it was like, well, this and this and this and this, like everything came out. So there is some of that of, of maybe they were trying to keep things in house to hopefully mend the situation going forward. But um, the thing with the sports performance staff, I really wish that would have been clarified because was that last year when he was trying to come back from the ankle injury? Was that this year? Um, because by all accounts, like he and the sports performance staff had a great relationship during the off season. Um, JC Jackson stayed in Los Angeles all, all spring, winter, summer long to get ready to be out there for training camp and for week one. And, and 
Like you don't do that if you have a bad relationship with the sports performance staff. And, you know, the Chargers did revamp a lot of the training staff this year. So I, I wish that would have been clarified right there. Um, you know, for me, like it's just a really frustrating situation because, you know, you, you see and you hear how he handles this, um, you know, this brutal injury recovery, right? And, and it's something that we commended several times on the show. You know, I stood up for him when people were questioning his work ethic because it, it, it's just impossible for you to come back from this kind of injury as fast as he did without any kind of work ethic. And then you hear about this kind of stuff. And, and you know, even two weeks ago when he's, you know, confused at the coaching staff because he's doing everything they're asking of him and they're not talking to him. And then Brandon Staley says that we were very clear. We told him and basically, you know, he accepting what we told him is another question, right? And so it, it, it's just a really frustrating situation all around. We were all so excited for the Chargers uh, and when they signed him and, and, you know, the opportunity that they could have to have like a true number one corner. Um, and I remember like during the Cowboys joint practice week, it was like JC Jackson, best player on the Chargers conversations were happening. You know, he was um, locking down CD lamb and everything like that. And I felt like great about the JC stuff and then the ankle surgery. And then, you know, he comes back too early and then he gets benched against the Broncos and then the knee injury and then all of this stuff happens. So it, there's a lot of like legacy talk going on, but I mean, the Chargers paid JC Jackson essentially $40 million for like seven starts. So it's just, it's impossible to not classify this as probably the worst free agent signing in Chargers history because, you know, of the other bad signings that there have been, bad extensions that there have been, they at least got like full seasons out of those guys. You know, like Donald Butler's extension was terrible, but he played for like another couple of years after that. Um, you know, Orlando Franklin played a whole season. JC Jackson gets seven games at, uh, and $40 million from this team is, is just brutal, man. And like, I was so happy for the signing, but you know, it's just, it could not have possibly gone worse for him or the team. And like you said, both sides are at fault. You know, this is a JC problem. This is a chargers problem. And you know, it's not pick a side one or the other, like both mm -hmm. parties here, uh, did not do each other a service. Both parties here are, are definitely at fault. Yeah, and so I hope both sides can improve from this and the Chargers are better without him and JC's better without him. And, and clearly, like, JC will probably be better at, at the, <laughs> than with the Chargers. Um, you know, it, it, there's definitely the classic worried about going back to New England thing. Um, I don't know. The whole, again, the whole situation is just just funky. And, they, and I, I fans are very much so anti-JC Jackson right now and sort of were last year pretty early. You know, I think part of the frustration that fans have sometimes is when they're embarrassed because they were so excited to begin with, you know, when it's like you're really excited about a player. And then when you're wrong, I feel like the frustration is, is doubled or tenfold in those instances. And with JC, yeah, I think, I mean, everyone was on board with it. And the contract certainly wasn't like, wow, wholly overpaid. No, it's like, hey, it's that's your best corner on the market. And it wasn't like it was a ridiculously large contract. Yeah. Granted, the Chargers have, you know, they didn't win with that contract in the end, but I guess it wasn't twenty million a year. So there's that. Just frustrating. Uh, this whole situation. I feel like I want to see it play out the rest of the year. 
you know, I want to see how his stint in New England goes because that will certainly change a lot about how we all feel, even right down to his usage. You know, this is a player that we were concerned, you know, using him last year. Like, why are we not playing him more man? Why is he not getting his hands on the receiver? Why are we playing so much more zone with JC Jackson? So, what does he do back with the Patriots? What does he look like? What is he doing? Um, it sounds like he's not going to play a ton today. It sounded like initially he was going to play the whole gosh darn game. Uh, it sounds like now it's just kind of a splitting rep sort of thing, get his feet wet sort of thing. We'll see. This is that's only going to add more, and it wouldn't surprise me just because the situation is so bizarre. If JC goes out and is awesome the rest of the year for the Patriots <laughs> and just makes things like even weirder over here. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited for the revisionist history that will happen when that uh, inevitably does happen. So we'll see. I mean, JC still has to you know recover from this injury. Uh, you know, this is not an injury that has a super positive recovery rate. So we'll see what his career looks like. But um, wanted to get to this comment from Kevin Kernick. Uh, elite edge rush duo plus turnover machine at CB. Every team strives for this. Just super unfortunate mm-hmm. it didn't work out. And like, you know, I did a video right after the news broke down and it's like, you know, it's October, right? But I feel like you almost have to pencil in cornerback in the first round for the Chargers next year, you know, and regardless of who is making these decisions, you do not have a long-term at long-term asset there. Maybe that's Asante Samuel Jr. If you give him a contract, but at this point, you know, I, I know fans really love Asante and, and he is a very capable playmaker. But if you watch the team, they're still trotting out Michael Davis as like the number one guy who's going to play the number one receiver. And Asante is kind of a supporting character, so to speak. Like this team, whoever is the coach, whoever is the, the GM, they need a true number one cornerback. And right now that's the one position room where they don't have that kind of long-term asset. Um, you know, you have Herbert, you have Slater, you have Thule, you have Joey, you have Derwin, you have, you know, maybe linebackers is kind of in that same spot, but um, linebacker is certainly not something they should be targeting in the first round. So cornerback is is kind of it. And, um, you know, there's a lot of long-term ramifications from this. We'll see what happens with, like, the cap specifics. But um, this team is going to look very different at cornerback next year. And uh, I would expect that to happen very early in the draft next year. Yeah. it Unless they sign another one, which they can't, it sure. basically has to be corner in, in the first round at this point. There's no other option unless you're believing in Dean Leonard quite a bit. And look, <laughs> I've loved his progression. Don't get me wrong, but that is a huge jump. And like you said, Zon is not playing. He's not, their cb1 and even last year playing very well he was never their cb1 and never played like their cb1 it was always michael davis and this year they wanted it to be anybody but asante samuel jr um who they were trying out a slot corner earlier this year because he was not the outside cb1 in their eyes so the chargers really do need themselves you know now i don't know if you can get this player this early unless you're the patriots and they follow you you know, Christian Gonzalez, your Devin Witherspoon, like the Chargers need themselves that tier of corner. Yeah. Asante Samuel Jr. isn't quite, he's so close and can play many games like that, but it's not quite the same. They need their, I don't know, whoever, JC Jackson, when he was actually good. So I, I think, I think corner will have to be the, the first pick in the draft. Like I don't even see, I feel like Edge, you're good. 
all things considered with Thule, and you're probably keeping at least one of the edge rushers. It's not offensive line, unless Pipkins has a horrible season for some reason, but even then they're in that contract. So yeah. it's not receiver because Keenan's definitely staying and Quentin's staying and Josh Palmer's staying. So yeah, I think it has to be corner. NSN, we're likely picking 32nd though. Uh, would be amazing. That'd be fantastic. Um, but yeah, th- this cornerback room, I, like I think, I think the way that I view Asante is is pretty similar to how like I view Mike Williams overall. Like at his best, he can be a wide receiver one in a pinch, and I, I think at Asante's best, he could be a cornerback one in a pinch. But his best role is probably as like a, uh, as a cornerback two, as somebody who can freelance a little bit because you have that other cornerback one kind of locking things down on that side. And when the Chargers really kind of found their stride last season, that's what was happening is that Michael Davis was playing at such a high level, locking down that one side. Asante could kind of freelance, make some plays and take some chances. And it resulted in, in some really high quality interceptions, but we've seen what that looks like without Michael Davis or when Michael Davis is playing poorly and it puts more stress on Asante Samuel Jr. It's just not like a conducive environment for either player. So the Chargers do need a TV one, regardless of of like I said, whoever is is making these decisions. Um, in the short term, here, Tyler, what what do you make of the cornerback situation with this team? Dean Leonard is still currently injured, as far as we know. Um, Michael Davis might be dealing with an ankle injury. Um, what do you make of the cornerback room now that we have kind of? settle the rotation down presumably but even i don't know how to answer that question because if you told me that this is the starting trio and didn't work out with jc fine like to start the year okay like i get it but they haven't been great but then they're they are kind of trending the right way too but then again i don't know how much of that was like like watching the sacks that khalil mack had coverage was great coverage was great like part of the reason that khalil mack got those sacks at least three of them, was coverage. So I, I feel better, but then they played the Raiders, Josh McDaniel, Aiden O'Connell, and Devontae Adams was out half the game. So it's like, I don't really know how much to move in either direction. I'm very cautiously optimistic, understanding that they're about to face the Cowboys and the Chiefs. So I, I think that it feels like they're going to be limiting the the big explosive play. I think they'll give like the 20 up, you know, the 20 yarders. I think they might be more scheme sound, but I'm still not like I, I don't feel nearly as confident in this group as I did four weeks ago. Even if you told me this was the starting trio and they traded JC, I'd be like, OK, well, at least Michael Davis will play like a CV one. He'll be fine. Uh, and it, that's not looking great. I know Zant had the game winning pick. Basically, it was awesome. It's not like he's been perfect either. So I think you have to kind of ask me again in two weeks or at least one week. Let me see this this group. After the bye, as the trio, knowing they're the trio, hopefully healthy, and starting against a team with an actual quarterback and presumably offensive coordinator. Yeah, I I am curious to see kind of how the the usage goes. Like they 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 mixed up their coverages quite a bit as they tend to do um, against the Raiders, but they played a a good amount of cover two, good amount of Tampa two, which they hadn't really done previously. That's something that Asante does very well. Um, you know, is, is playing that kind of shadow, uh, you know, hook to or not hook, excuse me, uh, whole shot kind of area and, and just reading the quarterback. Um, but I feel like they were much more intentional about playing the deep parts of the field. 
you know, it, it felt like previously they were trying to, you know, be more aggressive, play more cover one. And some of that is the play of, D, of Dean Marlowe and Raheem Lane, you know, really kind of protecting the deep part of the field. But, you know, if you're able to do that and limit the explosive plays, like I think you can survive with, you know, Michael Davis and his struggles. But, um, you know, they, they got to get Michael Davis right. Otherwise, this defense is just not going to reach its potential. You know, there's a lot of other things that have to happen for this team. But Michael Davis has not been playing well. And if you're going to trade J.C. Jackson and not really add anybody else, like you need Michael Davis to get back to what he was at the end of last season. Um, otherwise, you're just going to be kind of in for this long haul. Because like you mentioned, you know, they have the the Cowboys and the Chiefs. They have other really good receivers coming up. You know, the Bears suddenly look like they're uh, a functional franchise again. They have D.J. Moore. You know, they mm-hmm. play the Jets with Garrett Wilson, the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown, and and Jamison Williams. You know, the Packers with their young receivers, the Ravens with their young receivers, um, the Bills with Stephon Diggs. So it's like you, you got to get Michael Davis back on track. Otherwise, this defense is just going to kind of be in the same 25 to 32 range, which is better than 32. <laughs> At least there's the possibility of them being 25. But ideally, you're you're – getting into the teens like they were at the end of last season yeah the michael davis situation it just continues to be a surprise to me i know it wasn't the yards weren't as bad last game but it still wasn't great and again another receiver just he starts outside jay or not jc michael davis is playing outside fine and then just the receiver just beats him on a deep over and just runs faster than him again on the play yeah. that adams got hurt where o'connell threw it behind him beat him again like this happened against the vikings i think it happened the week before like for whatever reason davis i don't know if that's just a coverage issue a scheme issue or what but like teams are doing that consistently now you know it used to be with davis like he couldn't beat the slant like the slant was the toughest thing for him and he said he has said as much the slant is the toughest thing for him but like just running stride for stride on a deep over that's his that's his bread and butter i feel like yeah. if you can do anything else it's run really fast and you know, granted, it's Devonte Adams, Justin Jefferson. Sure, that's very difficult, but that, that's it's just a not like Devonte is super fast. You're sure, you're right, exactly. Like that is not his game, and Davis is very fast. And so it's a surprise to see him get beat like that over and over again. But then again, he's playing outside, so should he be playing that differently? Should there be help on the inside? Is the lack of safeties, you know, being healthy and available, an issue there? I don't know, but like that's leading to like 40 yard gains every game. And that would have been a big one if, if he didn't throw it behind Adams. So it's just a strange situation. It's he's not playing at all. Like he did last year. And you know, it's costing them. Yeah. That too. The penalties, good gracious. The penalties are a big problem. You know, the, the, I forget if they classified it as a pass interference and illegal contact, but there was a time where he like literally shoves Devonte Adams out of bounds before, the pass gets thrown to him and it's like, what are you, what are you doing here? Like you're clearly going to be called for a penalty in that kind of situation. So the penalties are a big problem. You know, Frank Blakely pointed out, this is more like the 2021 version of him. And that's accurate. Again, maybe some of that is, is kind of like the JC Jackson situation kind of messing with his head and, and the rotation and everything else. Maybe this settles him down. I hope that's the case. Um, cause he was truly playing some elite football at the end of last season. You know, he was top three in forcing completion percentage. His passer rating when targeted was really low and that's just not happening right now. Um, so, uh, 
Baron Epstein Davis has always been asked. That's like literally not factual at all. Um, he was great in 2020. He was great in 2022. Maybe he, maybe it's an even year thing for him. I don't know, but um, hopefully the Chargers can get it back to that form because if they do, then that just helps everything, right? Like we feel really good about the pass rush at this point in time with Thule and his emergence and Joey potentially coming back. Um, and, you know, the linebackers have been playing much better. I don't know what you thought about Eric Kendricks, but I thought he played really well on, on Sunday mm-hmm. and on tape. So, you know, if, if the Chargers can get the linebacker room coming to fruition, the defensive line is playing better, really the last piece is, is for Michael Davis to, you know, get back to that 2022 form. Yeah. Any thoughts on the Chargers making a move for a corner? To me, it, it's it's not like receiver, but it, it kind of is like that for me where I think they'd only sign someone to be on the back end of the roster, not someone to start over anybody they have currently. Yeah, you know, people are, are asking about Bryce Callahan too, and I'm sure we'll get that question. I think this team wants to move forward with this trio of Michael Davis, Asala Samuel Jr., and Jasir Taylor. Um, I think they really like Dean Leonard too. Um, whether they like him as CB4 or CB5, I think that could be a conversation, but I don't think they're trading for like a legitimate starting corner unless one of these other guys gets injured or something like that um, or signing mm-hmm. Bryce Callahan. Like I, I think it would take an injury at that point for them to go out and do something. And, and most teams are not trading a CB1 type at the deadline. You know, people are, saying on Twitter today after all the Broncos stuff came out, it's like, oh, Patrick Sertan, future Charger. It's like, that's not happening. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Patrick Sertan is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Um, the Broncos would be foolish to trade him at all, especially within the division. So I I, I think maybe you could see like a supporting corner, but it's just not going to be like a legitimate CB1 kind of player out there because that, that's just not what the Chargers kind of do, and it's not what other teams do either. Yeah, I agree. All right. So again, we'll see, you know, uh, kind of what this happens as Alex points out, they did sign uh, Isang Bassi. People are really mad about the signing on Twitter. I think that to me is, is frankly just, they need a, a healthy body to come in and play special teams while they wait and see what these kind of injuries are for Dean Leonard and, and Michael Davis. But um, I, I, like, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. I don't think Isang Bassi is going to play a whole lot anyway. Sorry, I'm just keeping up on the score because I'm sure people are as well. So they, Bills go touchdown to Gabe Davis, nullified by penalty, and then just another touchdown to Gabe Davis, just backed up. Second and goal from the 19, touchdown. Damn. Whee. So what's the score now? 18-13, because that's <laughs> why not? That's a, such a London score. Weren't they Weren't they 11? Did they get a safety? Uh, I think they went, well, okay. So touchdown. Oh, yeah, well, seven. Sorry, they were at 11. Sorry, 18 is the Jaguars. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, what? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, um, Tyler, let's go through real quickly. We wanted to predict the Chargers record after the bye here. Um, let's do that. First and foremost, what's kind of your confidence level that the Chargers do split this upcoming you know, gauntlet of a duo against the Cowboys and Chiefs? <laughs> My confidence level, huh? Um, well, I, I currently have them predict, I'm predicting them to lose those games. So my confidence level is like, I have more confidence that they'll beat the chiefs. Hmm. Um, I, I just think, you know, you look at where the chargers, like the chargers chiefs and cowboys 
are all almost aligned in offensive EPA per play. It's like almost identical. And except the Cowboys defense is way on that other part of the graph because yeah. they're like the second or first, you know, I think they're behind the Browns. Basically the best defense in the league. I think the Chargers, for however many pressures they have, I think the Cowboys have like 25 more yeah. on the season. So uh, it's just a heck of a front. Yeah, I know uh, Diggs is out. Um, I don't know. I, like, I, I currently haven't predicted him to lose that game. If you have Mike Williams and Corey Lindsley, like especially if you have Mike Williams, you feel differently about at Kansas City. That's literally his thing. But you don't. And we'll see about Corey Lindsley, which we have no idea. No, he's not playing. Never mind. He's not playing at all. So, like, I don't know, man. If we saw 80 yards from Quentin Johnson last game or 50 or 40 or even 30, like, okay, maybe they can score and keep up. But, yeah, you know, if the Raiders, if, if the Chiefs, Cowboys, whoever, are able to keep Keenan Allen contained a bit, kind of like he was against the Raiders, and it's like, hey, throw it to anybody else. The Cowboys, the Cowboys can keep doing like the Cowboys can actually do that, and I think the Chiefs have the guys to do that more than the Raiders did. So, fifteen percent confidence level. I don't know if that means anything. Basically low. Yeah, basically low. I I got gotcha. you. For what it's worth, the Chargers should be getting some players back. Austin Eckler, Joey Bosa, Derwin James should all be back against the Cowboys. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Cowboys because like I think mm-hmm. they have, you know, coming off a of bye week, getting healthier. Cowboys are playing at the 49ers tonight. That's a very, very difficult matchup. You know, there's a chance that the Chargers have of winning uh this game against the Cowboys. Obviously, you know, that is every single week. But you look at the Cowboys and you and we'll we'll preview the whole thing, right? But the Cowboys currently have three edge rushers in the top 20 in pass rush win rates. And Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence are four and five. They have they have three defensive tackles who are in the top twenty five at pass rush run rate in their respective position, and then they have like one of the highest graded run stuff run stuffing defensive tackles as well, um, in Jonathan Hankins. So like this defensive line is legitimately like the best in the league. So that concerns me, especially without Corey Lindsley. Um, you know, the, the Chargers offensive line has has struggled a bit in, in moments that I, I would have liked to see them clean up. Um, so, again, it, it's possible that they beat this team. It, you know, the, the Cowboys have been more of a efficient offense versus explosive offense, you know, very similar to like the 2021 Chargers offense, which is just kind of, you know, explosive plays are kind of a, a rarity, but they're so efficient that it doesn't really matter all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dak Prescott's ADOT is like 6.5 yards, which is by far the lowest of his career, which is funny. Um, you know, we'll dive into that Kel Moore kind of conversation at a different time, but there's a chance that the Chargers have of winning that game. To me, I kind of like I predicted before the season that the Chargers would split with the Chiefs and they would win at Arrowhead because I don't know why it feels like they have better yeah. success there than in LA against the Chiefs. So I feel okay about that. Again, should be much healthier. You know, as Eddie points out, maybe Jalen Guyton comes back and, and gives them a spark. I feel better about their chances of beating the Chiefs than I do their chances of beating the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are just like legitimately one of the three best teams in the league. Not to say that the Chiefs aren't, but it's a divisional game. They always play each other close. Mm-hmm. I feel better about their chances of winning that game versus Dallas. 
Yeah, I agree. And I don't know what the numbers are for the Chiefs right now, but I, I trust their offensive tackles to block less than, let's say, like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. You know, the, the strength of the, like, you know, Tule is going to be there and Khalil's looking great and Joey's going to come back. And the Cowboys, the Cowboys might go, okay, fine, and just block them like really well. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. the Cowboys have a really good offensive line too. Chiefs, yeah. not as much. And they definitely don't have the same one, two, three wide receiver pass catchers um, yeah. that the Cowboys do. So, Again, the, the Cowboys, they have the quarterback, they have the offensive line, they have the defensive line. Like it, It's just, it's tough. It's going to be tough, tough, tough. The thing that seems to be slowing them down, as Brett Coleman pointed out, was red zone efficiency, but I don't know. Although I think the Chargers have been better at red zone uh, recently, so we'll see. Red zone defense has been like the best thing about the Chargers defense from like a scoring standpoint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think last time I checked, I think they were like 13th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. So it, it's it's been good. They they kind of are, are an effective red zone defense, which is a little strange. But, you know, that was that way last year, too, I think. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So, Tyler, uh, do you want to do the rest of the, the season? How are you feeling about uh, where they stand? I know before the season, we both kind of did 11 and 6. Where, where are you at now after after four games? So I have them splitting with the Chiefs, but I'm going to have them winning the one at home. I, I like you, usually feel better about the Chargers at Arrowhead because that's the last two wins that they've had is at Arrowhead. So I get it. Um, but I think this year it'll just be like that last minute, last game win sort of thing. I, I just He's think probably has the division wrapped up at that point too. Also that. And I'm hoping that with health, the, the Chargers continue to build their offense. And get to the point where they can definitely beat the Chiefs. You know, Jalen Guyton's back. Hopefully, Quentin Johnson were integrated. And then we're good to go. And Corey Lindsley being back. Right now, that's just kind of like, I don't know what kind of offense they are outside of Keenan Allen. I guess Eckler comes back and that changes things. Um, point is, I have them losing to Dallas and Kansas City the next two weeks. And then they just really never find momentum. Looking at the list, it's like, okay, is there a better quarterback or coach? If there is, potentially they lose. So Chicago, New York, no, like coaches, quarterbacks, no, like that's that not granted the Bears are playing much better, but, you know, Chicago at home on the road against the Jets and Zach Wilson, we'll see how Wilson fares. Brees Hall is a you know, monster over expectation right now, but I, I just don't think Zach Wilson has enough in him, but you look at the games, Detroit, Baltimore, Buffalo. Granted, I think the Bills are about to lose. Oh, yeah, they're about to lose. Jaguars scored. Um, that Buffalo game was a big one uh, before the season where I figured, okay, like the Chargers with all their momentum can beat Buffalo, especially not playing in Buffalo. But I need to see a bit more consistency there. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually have them beating New England at New England. So that's fun. <laughs> so that's a little bit different. But I just don't know if the, the Patriots really have it this year. Although that JC Revenge game is going to be interesting. Uh, long way of saying that I had the Chargers at 9-8 to close out the season. I think they should have started 3-1. and one, I think, and you just don't feel great about where they're headed overall. I think Herbert is very good and excellent and will lead them to many wins. Um, but just something's going to let them down. Health is going to falter. Something weird doesn't go their way. And I, I just think the coaches across from Saley are going to be better, and if they are better, the Chargers are going to lose, very much so like against the Titans. So Dallas, I think, is just a buzzsaw regardless of coach. Kansas City, 
sorry, Detroit. We'll see how they are in a few weeks, but they're they're, a, they're just a machine right now. They're rolling. Baltimore, that's a coaching thing. Buffalo, that's a kind of a team and a coaching thing. So thankfully, Denver stinks, I think, and and the Raiders. Who knows? But even then, that Raiders team almost kind of came back and beat the Chargers. So nine and eight, it stinks. But I'm not going to find more wins later on to try to get them to my original 11 and six prediction. Like it's no longer 11 and six unless everyone comes back healthy and somebody gets hurt. On the yeah, I think team. 11 and six with like they're already two and two. We don't feel great about their next two. So 11 and six is is rightfully kind of off the table regarding the Bills game. It is over Christmas break. I do expect a lot of Bills fans to get there as long as, as similar as, as forgotten cow does as well. So, you know, uh, if you're a Chargers fan, show up to that game because the Bills fans are definitely going to show up that game. Um, so I do think the Chargers can split their next two. Um, like I said, I, I, I think that they can win an arrowhead. Um, I think they'll beat the Bears at home. I don't think mm-hmm. the Bears are at least – they're not a good defense, so the Chargers should be able to put up points. At the Jets is going to be a tough one. At, home against the Lions is going to be a tough one. You know, the Lions are a really, really physical team. Like, that's the kind of style that the Chargers have struggled with over the last two years. Um, at Green Bay is certainly tougher than I think it was made out to be in the preseason. You know, they look like they could be a, a, a pretty good team, although they, they also have some injuries. Ravens, I still don't feel good about. Um, like you, I think the Patriots is is probably feeling better about that. They play the Broncos twice down the stretch, which is I think should be good. They play the Raiders again. Um, I think the Chiefs are probably resting starters that final week. So nine and eight feels like a much greater possibility. I think that this team has enough to get to ten and seven. I think ten and seven is where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's fair. It really just comes down to a couple of the swing games. I mean, I guess every game that you lose could be a swing game, but like New England, that's a coin toss for me. Baltimore, Detroit. Like if they if they lose to Dallas and Kansas City, that wouldn't surprise me. Then that that Detroit game becomes huge, I think, because that that's kind yeah. of just the either or for me. That's very much so a coin toss. Like I'll, I might pick the Chargers to win once I get there, but for right now, I just feel like the the, the Bills. No, nope, nope, nope. The Lions. Uh, kind of have it going. So I don't know. 10 and 7, definitely possible. They definitely could do it. The offense continues to build momentum and they just win every stinking game 30 to 27. Fine. Like that, they can do that. They could probably do yeah. that. But yeah, I don't know. I like I, I think regardless of how you feel about where this team is at, like they have to get through the Packers game at five and five at like worst case scenario. Like if you're anything less, less than five and five, I think your playoff chances are basically done. Yeah. Um, so you got to come out of green Bay at least five and five and ideally better, obviously. But if you can get to five and five, then you have those two games against the Broncos. You have the Raiders game, you know, you presumably should win all three of those games to get to eight. And then you just have to win two of the Ravens, Patriots, Bills, and Chiefs games to get to 10. Like, there's a, there's a realistic path to 10 wins here still. Um, and I th- I do think that 10 wins gets you into the playoffs. But if they're 4-6 and six after the Packers game, then that's just uh, – it's going to be a really tough about it for this team. 
Yeah, even with me at the nine and eight prediction, I have them at five and five after the Packers games. So they, they, yeah, they cannot be less than that, or or somehow they have to beat New England, Baltimore. Like, ugh, I don't like that. Oh, what was I going to say? Um, someone said it in here. Where is it? Yeah, losing to Tennessee was such a a blow. Like, if they won that game, I would flip two more wins in their favor. Probably the Detroit game. And I guess in my opinion, probably the at Kansas City game, maybe even the Baltimore game, you know, because you, you beat a well-coached physical team on the road. And instead, it's just like, oh, there's a 70-yard bomb and there's a 40-yard bomb. And then you get yeah. just beat up in overtime, you know, so we'll see. Four and 13. <laughs> be serious. Come on. Um yeah, if they were three and one right now, I think you feel you would feel great about where they're at right now. You know, even if you're a little pessimistic about the next two games, you know, they would be three and three still, which again, they could still be three and three, but it's a different three and three, right? So mm-hmm. um I, I think this team, like I said, as long as they get to five and five or better after the Packers game, I think they can make a late season push again somewhere like they did last year because the schedule does ease up a little bit. So um, I, I'm going with 10 and seven. I think they can get there. Tyler's going with nine and eight. I totally get that as well. Um, you guys in the chat here, let us know what you are thinking. And uh, hopefully we can uh, finish on the optimistic side and get this team in the playoffs again. Yeah. Does anyone in the chat have them beating the the Cowboys next week? Just out of Ooh, curiosity. I think, like, I don't even think even the most optimistic fans would have that. I, like I'm... I don't even know Eckler's officially playing. He <laughs> is, but like, I thought he was, I don't know. Yeah, Kellamore revenge game. We'll see. It's certainly possible, but, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, the, the Cowboys defense is so, so good. The Cowboys offense is super efficient. Presumably coming off of a loss against the 49ers, going up against Kellamore. Like, they're going to be motivated for that game, too. There's going to be a lot of Cowboys fans in the stands. Like, it, it's going to be a tough, tough game for the Chargers next week. Yeah. Let me see. Dallas Cowboys. Let me f- officially find those pressure numbers. They're, yeah. They're 90, really 94 pressures in four games. So that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 94 pressures in four games. That's got to be uh, some kind of record for their first four games. Yeah, I mean, Michael Parsons, not as much against the run, but I believe his pressure numbers are he's on pace to have a career year. No surprise. Yeah. But, like, oh, God, 94. <laughs> oh, man, 94 pressures. Like, what's another good pass rush team? Uh, the Eagles last year, I don't even think they had 94 through four games. Okay, let's, see, let's let me just look at Eagles through last year. Alex, come on, you got to know this off the top of your head, right? <laughs> Because the Eagles last year finished with like 70 sacks. Like they set the oh, record for like do. most sacks. Yeah, I can't do team reports and then per game or custom. Darn it. Well, <laughs> the Eagles finished with 338 pressures last year. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did the Chargers finish with? Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. The the Cowboys team. Like, what if the Chargers had the hey, exact same offense? How many did you say the Eagles had last year? Uh 330. Wait, I lost it. 330 something, right? Yeah. Well, they have 87 this year, so they're actually not too far behind. Yeah, 338. So the Cowboys are currently on pace for 399. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, they were. <laughs> well, yikes. You know, Will Clapp, you can do it, man. God, he's so good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's more fun to be there live for Los Angeles Chargers football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash chargers. All right. Uh, we spent a long time on on the JC stuff and, and the record stuff. So we'll take some questions to uh, end the show for about 15, 20 minutes. Um, before we take some questions, obviously, I have to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. You guys still have some time to go in and uh, make some selections today. Um, maybe feel great about the Brock Purdy 49ers offense against the Cowboys defense. If there is an offense they can figure out the Cowboys defense, I feel like it is the 49ers. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan is just doing some crazy, crazy things this year. So um, please go use the uh, link prizepicks.com slash guilty and use the code guilty at checkout for a deposit match up to $100. Um, PrizePix is the best and easiest daily fantasy app out there. And uh, using that link, using that code really does support the show. So shout out to Prize Picks. Super easy to use. A lot of fun. And uh, you guys still have some time to go get those uh, week five picks in for today if you want to uh, hop on there real quick. So, again, that's uh, prizepicks.com slash guilty. Code guilty at checkout. Yeah, a couple ones that I like this week. You have all of 10 minutes to get some of these in. But CJ Stroud continues to just put up great passing numbers and look like the future. Just love all his press conferences, too. Like, he just... Seems like yeah. an absolute win for that franchise, which is awesome. Um, I like him at more, uh, 248.5 passing yards. I like the more there. Uh, who else? There was one. Oh, I already got Sam Howell on one and a half passing touchdowns more. So, yay. Uh, Jordan Love, tricky situation. We'll see because it's not like a consistent guy. But one and a half passing touchdowns versus the Raiders. Uh, I took the more on that one. So, I like that one. And then Devin Achain, his line is at 50.5 rushing yards. I would say the more on that one. Yep. And then also have to give a shout out to little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles chargers. Uh, there's a special running during uh, NFL kickoff that happens uh, an hour beforehand. So 
If you want to go run to Little Caesars real quick, you can go and get that uh, special from the Pizza Portal pickup. Get some crazy bread, get some pepperoni pizza, uh, and uh, make sure you get some Little Caesars on uh, you know during the NFL game day experience. So go check out Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers. Is it Devin Achan? There's no chain. I've heard it a lot of different ways. I I feel like last week on the or when they played the Bills, I think they said Achan. I think Riley is is right about that, but I've also heard it pronounced A chain. So the guy who's eleven or averaging like twelve yards a carry, uh, more there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> more. Whatever you want to yeah, say. Yeah. It. All right, we'll get to some of these questions here. Um, Nimasabe, uh, do you think Marlowe is trending towards jumping JT Woods in the safety rotation when Woods is back? So in case you missed it, JT Woods is on the NFL I list. He has to miss at least four games. Um, so obviously he missed this past week against the Raiders. So he has three more games to miss. Dean Marlowe presumably is uh gonna be safety four or i guess no sorry it would be safety three when derwin and alohi gilman come back um but what did you make of dean marlow this past week and what do you think uh his role is going forward i thought he played great as far as what i could tell he played really really well was defending the post very well there was a play a run to the right i'm about to sneeze and i hate this so much there was a play to the <laughs> right where they ran it and i think it was jacoby myers who blocked him and hit him pretty good uh they tried to run it again later in the game and marlo seemed to recognize it pretty early and he kept like moving up moving up moving up kind of all of a sudden he'd recognized it rotated from way back to way up and then got right around um myers and, and got a tackle for loss on that play so i thought that was really impressive so the way he defended the post great looked like he was fine defending the run um will they jump JT Woods. I think if he didn't go to James Madison, I don't think he jumps JT Woods. But I actually, <laughs> I, I actually think the That's sort of connection fair. there. No, like, <laughs> look, there's just some, you know, Staley likes to play his guys and sign his guys or whatever. And I think if he plays well enough, and I think because of the connection and whatever, like, I, I think he actually could start over JT, not start, rotate over JT Woods. If they get the guy who played on Sunday against the Raiders over the next three games, like I think that's cemented. Like I, I think that he made more plays on the football, he made more plays on the run than JT did over the first three games. And again, like JT is a younger player, like he's still learning, still trying to figure it out. But there's just kind of like a a Lohi Gilman light kind of thing to Dean Marlowe from what I saw, just like always in the right position. I felt like, um, you know, didn't make any mistakes so to speak again didn't get a ton of opportunities to like get challenged vertically by any means but felt like he was always in the right position felt like he was making the right reads so i think there is a chance a pretty good chance that dean marlowe is safety three moving forward because i think you know that comment from brandon staley on monday where he said that they felt like or he felt like they respected the deep part of the field at a higher level than they did previously and that felt intentional to me because that's like the exact quote that he used against the Titans when he said that they were not doing a good enough job of respecting the deep parts of the field. Mm. So I feel like that was an intentional comment for him. 
And I think part of that applies to Dean Marlowe. And if he continues to play like he did against the Raiders, I think Dean Marlowe is safety through going forward. Uh, someone pointed out in the chat, I did not realize he was 31. I, I know yeah. he's been in the league for a bit, but I didn't realize he was 31. With that said, Nick Williams is 33. and He's playing pretty well. And he's out there rotating over some other, uh, like Scott Matlock, et cetera. So, you know, let the veterans cook. Yeah. Yeah, Nick Williams playing a ton of no's for this team too, which I think is is interesting because mm. uh, that was Sebastian Joseph Day's role last year. Uh, wrong speedy, what? Uh, excuse me, wrong, wrong speedy one. But yeah, little Caesar shout out. Um, goodness, I'm a mess right now. It was forgotten. I'm sorry. What kind of parlor tricks will come more whip up for Dallas? What do you think here? Ooh. Like, are we talking about like a trick play sort of thing, or just what do you think he'll do? Or not trick play, but like an interesting parlor tricks to me means like creative outlets. Okay. Um, which we have seen a bit. I mean, we've we've seen Darius Davis at half at running back. We've seen the double pass. So have we seen been some parlor tricks recently? Who'd they get recently? So they got. That screen to Darius Davis was pretty good last week. They not like a screen, like a something like, like a flat like a toss. Yeah, who knows? Like they wanted to hand it off to Kelly. They faked the hand off to Kelly. The whole Raiders defense crowded up, and then they threw it to Davis. It was like another oh the second one ten yeah, yarder yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, 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 that was good. Um, I think Darius Davis throws it, or Eckler throws it. I think one of those guys is going to throw it. I think that's a Get good bet. Let's get another yeah. one. I really like the way that they've used Darius Davis, you know, lining him at running back this week to kind of, you know, because you lose Eckler, you lose such a, a big part of the passing game. And so Darius Davis being a kind of a running back hybrid for them, I think makes sense. I think I, I love that usage from him last week. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, another double pass would be a good one. Maybe a flea flicker. We haven't seen them do a flea flicker in a long time, I feel like. So. They'll have something like you. You can't go up against this Cowboys defense and just kind of run your usual stuff. Like they'll have stuff. I I, I do think Kelmore is going to be prepared and have a nice plan, but yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, Eddie Dell Jr. What do you guys think of Jasir Taylor and uh, the way he's played so far? I didn't get a chance to watch him specifically in coverage. I thought he played tackled well, but I didn't watch him much in coverage this time. Yeah, I don't think my opinion of Jaw has changed very much. I think he's a good run defender. I think he's a good tackler when he can rally. Um, you know, he got beat a couple times by KJ Osborne vertically because that's just not like his game. So if you're if the opposing team has a slot guy who's kind of a burner type, I think Jaw's going to struggle a little bit. Um, but you watched him against the Titans. I thought he was he played really well against the Titans. I thought he played pretty well this past week against the Raiders. Um, it, it's just those teams that have like a vertical threat in the slot that's going to give him some challenges. Yeah. Mm. Is I guess I should probably actually figure out what the Cowboys are doing. So who is their big slot guy at this point? Is it just uh, Cooks? CD? CD is their slot oh, guy. CD is their slot guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So uh, Cooks is their Z, Gallup is their X, and then CD is their slot guy. So. <laughs> That's going to be fun. I don't know. Last time the Chargers played the Cowboys, uh, they had Derwin shadowing CD a good amount. So maybe that's the, the defensive game plan this week. If Derwin plays. If Derwin plays. For sure. 
Jaw against CD, I do not feel good about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and Zom, in the interview with you, he's basically said, "Hey, I'm I'm he's outside. outside. He's outside." Yeah. Cool. I think if anything happened to Jaw, they would move him into the slot and put Dean outside. But mm. I don't know. Right now, he's outside only. Uh, NSN asking about Jalen Guyton. Uh, Brandon Staley said that he was progressing uh, this week when he was asked about it, which is more than he said before. Um, it's been over a year for Jalen Guyton since the ACL tear, so I hope he's progressing. I hope that he's showing up at practice. We know that he's like working out and, and rehabbing and things like that, um, but we'll we'll see. I don't know. I don't have any other information outside of what uh, Brandon Staley has said publicly. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Bills lost. Looks like too little, too late. I guess the Bills are interesting. They'll they'll be really good, obviously, one <laughs> week, and then just like, hey, here's four turnovers. Yeah, and I don't think the Jaguars really played all that well. I didn't watch the fourth quarter, but yeah. Oh, yep. Uh, Nimbasabe pointing out earlier the, the fake screen to the Titans game. That was a good one. Yeah, I don't know how many times you can do that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Frank wants to know, do you think Staley will self-evaluate that a simplified defense may be more effective? It can't be a coincidence that our D plays better when many stars are out, Derman namely. I think the the simplified defense thing is is kind of an exaggerated point. Like, you know, Arjun shared the numbers with us that the most coverage that they played last week against the Raiders was like 12 snaps. Like it, it wasn't that they simplified the defense to like Gus Bradley kind of levels. Like that's that's not what has happened. It's never what has happened. Like Brandon Staley believes in alternating coverages. I think it's just that when Derwin is not out there, there's more defined roles for these guys in the secondary, particularly. And so a guy like Alohi Gilman, JT was Dean Marlowe, when Derwin is out there, they have to kind of cover up different roles too. And when Derwin is not out there, it's like you have one, maybe two kind of roles. Like Dean Marlowe, you defend the deep half of the field or you play the box. Like there's not mm. other stuff involved with that. So I don't know if I would classify that as like the defense needs to be simpler. I think it's just like the roles that are communicated to these players needs to be communicated at a higher level. Um, because I think if you remove Derwin's versatility, I think you are removing Derwin's effectiveness. Like I think Derwin has to be moved around because he's that mm -hmm. kind of player. So it's a kind of a double-edged sword there where the other guys – have a lot more pressure when Derwin is out there because Derwin moves around a lot, but you want Derwin moves around a lot because that's what he does well. Yeah. I think Arjun just put up the stat. I think he's like Derwin is second in moving around entropy, yeah. whatever he's got the score as. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, it, it, it makes Derwin James more effective in their eyes, but maybe not necessarily the rest of the defense. I, I really would love, no, I don't want to see this, but they need to have Derwin James be out and they play a good quarterback at the same time. There really hasn't also been, that also there that. just has there just has not been like 
okay, yeah, Joe wins out. Aiden against O'Connell, Baker Aiden O'Connell, Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. Like, yes, yeah. the two the Dolphins game was great, but that clearly seems to be an outlier at this point, more yeah. so than the norm. So if Joe wins out against the Chiefs and the Cowboys and the defense plays way better and it's very simple and it's more effective, that's a conversation we should definitely have, even after just one game against the Cowboys. But it just has never been a perfect, like, he's out and the quarterback in the offense is really good. You know, yeah. do they hold the Chiefs to 20 when Derwin James is out? That's a whole conversation we can have. But again, like Aiden O'Connell, it was it was not pretty. <laughs> it wasn't. And it was like, I, I think the Chargers, what they did on defense was smart. Like they forced Aiden O'Connell to take the checkdowns and he did it a lot. And I think that was, um, you know, they could have defended the checkdown a little bit better, but. Like they forced their hand with Aiden O'Connell. They they got him to play the way that they wanted him to. And, you know, if that's a better quarterback, you know, maybe he's able to take some better chances because I do think that he could have hit Myers a couple of times, Michael Mayer a couple of times. But, you know, I, I think they did a really good job of confusing him and making him throw to the check down so frequently. So, mm-hmm. like you said, if they don't have Derwin against these better teams and they still play well, I think that's a discussion. But right now, like I think the best version of this defense is where Derwin is moving around. And I think that's, it's just kind of how the other guys have to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. A couple more questions here. Uh, Jacob B thoughts on K nines play this year, a uh, bit of a, a rough start against the dolphins, but uh, Tyler, what have you made of his last three games? Very good. Second game very good or solid third game obviously the game walk off interception there at the end though more of a tip up um last game i thought there were good moments but i didn't see as much great as a blitzer he had two really good reps one that i think got khalil a sack and then one where or maybe he's involved in two definitely two really good rushes there um so yeah good stuff as a blitzer didn't see as much defending the run but the the raiders weren't great at running it last week um, and I think they was mostly a uh, get the ball to Josh Jacobs as a receiver than a run game. Yeah, I think they've really figured out a way to allow Kenneth to do what he does well at a higher level. I think one thing that I've really liked to see of them, they've actually like moved him back a little bit and it gives him more space to read and react. And, and he's doing that well. Uh, he's blitzing at a high level. Um, the coverage concerns are still there for me. Like, I think there were a few times where um, the Josh Jacobs check down was a direct result of, of Kenneth Murray not playing that the proper way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, man, like I, I did not have super high expectations for Kenneth Murray to start the season. Um, and he's playing really well. You know, he is. And he's defending the run at a high level. He's blitzing at a high level. Um, I think most Chargers fans, if you had been told two months ago that this is the version of Kenneth Murray that we'd be getting, I think they would be happy about that. So, you know, he's exceeded my expectations so far and I hope it continues. Mm-hmm. But I, I like, I am curious if down the road when Dayon Henley kind of maybe figures out a little bit, do they maybe give him some coverage snaps? Because I think that, yeah. you know, the coverage with Eric Kendricks was really good. And then Kenneth Murray kind of let some issues pop out though. So, um, if you can get Dan Henley up to speed and, and allow him to take some cover snaps, I think that would be a, a smart move going forward. Yeah, I think Henley got in. He blitzed next to uh, Murray. On yeah, he had, he had three or four snaps or something like that, too. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll see what they do with him. And then do you feel that he jumps Neiman or do you think Neiman holds that? So yeah, right now at Neiman would be Neiman is linebacker three. I think they mm-hmm. were pretty happy with how he played in uh, Eric Kendricks's absence. Um, I thought he was like fine against the Titans. I thought he was much better against the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would hope that Dayon eventually can, can get out there. Cause I think just like his athletic profile, his physicality is, is has a greater ceiling than what Nick Neiman can give them. Mm-hmm. I see our, our chat is dwindling down. It seems like football might have started. Um, has JC Jackson given up a touchdown yet? <laughs> there will definitely be no narratives about this particular game. Yeah. Um, was there another question you wanted to hit on or, or was that good for you? No, I think you got most of it. I think you got everything. Cool, cool, cool. But a thank you to Williams Escobar for the bolts and the diamond and the bolts and the super chat. Yes, and I saw a super chat from your mom as well. Yep, super sticker. Super sticker. Thanks, Mom. All right, guys. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in. We're going to have our uh, usual Chargers episode on Wednesday. Um, and then, like I said previously, we're going to have our uh, game preview live, or not live, excuse me, uh, uploaded Thursday morning to your feeds. So that's not going to be a live show anymore. We're going to test that out and, and see how that goes. Um, and then we'll be live next Saturday. And then on on Monday night after the game, potentially, but we'll figure that out that schedule out once uh once that game comes. Sounds All good. right, guys, appreciate it. Um, we'll see you next time. As always, bolt up.